beaming to you from the plastic microphone studios deep in the heart of Cajun country. This is Faith Five from Fans. I'm your host, Jamie Ray, and I want to welcome you to episode number 118. Once again, I have invited Dr. Astronaut novelist, Mother of Dragons, Couch, ooh, not Couch, Coach, Captain Shaman, Scout G, back to the Plastic Microphone Studios for her sixth time. Six, that means you get a spoken jacket. This time to discuss our fave five Kathy Bates roles. Scout is, well, she's Scout. By this point, she really doesn't need an introduction. So, welcome back to the Plastic Microphone Studios. Well, thank you for um, not needing an introduction. You seem to always give me a fantastic one. So, thank you for that. <laughs> You're a welcome. And thank you for having me back for six, the sixth six. time. That's so awesome. You and Jay Hall are now tied for the record number. But, you know, you and I have a, uh, well, as a matter of fact, of course, this is March, but Matter of fact, right as we're recording this, our complete disarray just came out. So it that did. makes you seven times in the plastic microphone studio. So you're ahead. Well, I'm, I'm gonna have to keep the lead. So when he's getting ready to come on in, you just you call me ahead of time. All right. Well, available. we're we're working on a kaiju episode, so you know, oh, gotta get well. gotta gotta get bumped up. So what's going on, girl? Nothing much. I'm just um sitting That's a here lie. chilling. You know. That's a lie. We just spent like 45 minutes talking about everything going in your life. This is true. Uh, this is true. It's a, it's a good bit, you know, it's a busy season. I'm sure a lot of people could say that, right? You know, we're mm -hmm. recording this uh, early-ish December before Christmas. It starts to rev up. So, ho, uh, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. You know, most people, I don't let them call me that, but. Not much less three times. Much less three times. But, uh, but no, it's good. Thank you for asking. Well, good. How about yourself? I'm doing fine, getting ready, gearing up. Um, 2024 is going to be a very busy year for the Plastic Microphone Studios. Um, I've seen the schedule. I can attest. Yeah, uh-huh. Not just that, but on a personal note, I finally get to go to San Diego Comic-Con for the Ooh. first time ever in my 50, well, it'll be 54 years uh, if I make it. Uh <laughs> To the, God willing. <laughs> so that's that's exciting. Me and my buddy Kirk are going to fly out there and I'll get to see Angela and Damon, who I haven't seen for, well, I've seen Angela, but, uh, you know, Damon holds a special place in my heart. So I'm going to say, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll get to do that on Sunday. And I am looking forward to two things. One of the things is I want to go to the House of Mystery comic book shop. And the other, I hope to God it's still open. It's a place called Slide In that makes these cheeseburgers with so much shredded cheese on them that it actually forms a skirt around it. And they fold it in when they put it on a bun. So I, mean, I know I said I saw your schedule. I think I might have missed that one. What date was that again? That is going <laughs> to be in July. Oh, I see. <laughs> so Listen, I'm really... I... I can eat I'm, a cheeseburger. I'm telling you, I saw this on one of those diners, drive-ins type shows. I don't think it was the one with Guy. But anyway, and I'm talking years ago, and it, it's still it's right there, getting ready to it's, clog it my arteries. Gonna, yeah, it's, I was going to say, it's going to stay there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank God I have a doctor on the staff with me, so uh, it'll okay. be great. <laughs> 
Is he a cardiologist by chance? No, 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 no. He's a proctologist. I, I mean, uh, I don't yeah. know what he does. <laughs> He's a pain in my butt, though. That's for sure. Oh, man. Isn't that the sh- oh, oh, wow. Fun. Heavy with the dad jokes. <laughs> Oh, I do have a good one, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so, what are we talking about today? <laughs> today, we are talking about the incomparable Catherine Bates. Yes, we are. Star of stage and screens, both small and large. And this idea came from you. So, why don't you tell us why we're doing Kathy Bates today? You know, so for the. The people out there that have heard some of our other episodes together, right? Um, they know that we have talked about, um, we've talked a couple of times just about actors and actresses and the ones that really take a lot of pride in their craft, mm-hmm. right? And the range that they can display. And <laughs> sorry. Wow. I know that. And so for um, for me, you know, we were kind of talking about a list of these people that just stood out to us in filmography and um, Kathy Bates is just one of those people, yeah. right? Love to talk about her, love to see her on screen and love to talk about her in the classic microphone studios. And that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, so I, like we always do, asked you to make a list of your five favorite roles did you put it on mute girl look at you you're like a professional now (laughs) so i asked you to make a list of your five favorite roles of kathy bates uh and i gave you the opportunity to do a couple of honorable mentions and i'm assuming that you took advantage of that always Uh, yes do you have just two or 16 i just have two Wow, you and Jay both did just two last time. I don't know why. I'm getting my guests trained. Okay, well, the shoe's going to drop later, but we'll talk about that. Okay, as (laughs) long as it's a a Louis Vuitton or whatever they call those shoes. Uh, uh, Yeah, the Christian Louis Vuittons. Yes, there you go. There you go. Well, before we dive into it, I have done a little bit of a deep dive on Miss Bates, and I wanted to give a little bit of history about it. Maybe you do all of this, maybe you don't. Um, she was born Sorry. in Memphis. She was born in Memphis, Tennessee. She studied theater at the Southern Methodist University before moving to NYC to pursue an acting career. So pretty much feels like she she knew what she wanted to do. Um, she landed minor stage roles before being cast in her first on-screen role of Taking Off in '71. Off-Broadway, she was in Bonfire Vanities. Basically, through the 70s and 80s, she continued to work on screen and on stage. She got a nomination for Tony for the Best Lead Actress in a play called Night Mother in 83 and won the Obie Award for her role in Frankie and Johnny in Claire de Lune, Mm -hmm. 1988. She earned the Academy Award for Best Actress for her portrayal of Annie Wilkes in misery hmm i wonder if that movie's gonna come up hmm. she's, she's been nominated several times and she won an emmy award for outstanding guest actress in a comedy series on season nine of two and a half men and her second was in a mini series 
about American Horror, I mean, called American Horror Story Coven. She's been nominated many other times and continues to have a very strong presence in Hollywood. I, just, I obviously didn't tell you anything you didn't know. Yeah, no, you know. Um, you know something though. I will be honest with you. Lay it on me. I was not aware until I started to put the notes down for the show. You know, when we were going to record, I guess it was like a month ago. I did not know she got her start on Broadway. That was oh, really? news to me. So that was oh. actually that was really cool. And I was like, to be honest with you, again. I feel like that even more speaks to her range, mm-hmm. right? Because going out and being on stage with a live audience also very different than being able to do a retake oh on screen, you know, like bravo. Right. bravo. <laughs> and she's got a presence on screen that she doesn't have to be the lead. I mean, she does an amazing job as the lead in several films, but sometimes it's a very small role that she is able to shine at. And I have one in particular that's going to show up on my list, and I'm sure you do too. Um, But she is really, really powerful when she's in front of the camera. Anything you want to add? I was going to say, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? She's just, she's captivating. You know, you cannot help but see her on screen and just be drawn to just focus in on her character, whether her role is significant or not, you know? Waiting for her to open her mouth. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I'm ready to just get started with the honorable mentions and dive right in. So why don't you give me both of your honorable mentions? Well, I will do that. I will give you both of them. First, I will start with um, a role that she played in the 1999 uh, Rags to Riches film of Uh Annie. Oh, cool. Right, where she plays uh, Miss Agatha Hannigan, Miss Hannigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you, I when I was trying to kind of curate this list, I really did try to stick to her roles, right? That I felt not only did I love them, but again, spoke to that range. Like that mm-hmm. was, you know, sometimes we have a different meter with, with how we're judging these. And this is kind of how I chose my list. And I will tell you, as a child watching this film, she's terrifying, right? <laughs> so Miss Miss Hannigan, you know, if you have not seen the film or the Broadway or the first film or the third film or or any of the adaptions. Or read the comic or strip. The, or the comic strip, you know, from 1922. Um, you know, Annie is a story about an orphan living in New York City in the middle of the Great Depression and the orphanage manager, Miss Hannigan, played by Kathy Bates in this adaption. Um, I mean, she's tyrannical, mm-hmm. right? I mean, she is scary. You don't want to cross her, even though the kids continuously do, do which only <laughs> infuriates her more. Um, I just remember seeing her on screen at such a young age and going, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons that like, you don't want to be an orphan, right? But like, right. she's number one. I want to end up with her. <laughs> um, no, so I just I love her role in that film, right? That's a great that's a great pick. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, my second honorable mention. I'm wondering if this made your uh, your honorable mentions or your list. I have a feeling it's going to be on yours somewhere. But I 
went with James Cameron's 1997 film Titanic as my second honorable mention. Um, with that being her role and her portrayal of Miss Margaret or Molly Brown. Yes, that's a good one. Um, I I was thinking of this role specifically when you were talking about how you can have such an insignificant role seemingly. Mm-hmm. And she just grabs you straight out of the screen. Yes. She's like, hang on here, listen to me. You know, I love that there was this woman that was so outspoken and feministic, mm-hmm. really, in the time that it was. You know, I, right. I love in particular the scene where, um, you know, Molly Brown and, um, you know, you get Rose and Cal and you know, they're all sitting around this dinner with the captain and and the waiter comes over to order. And Cal, you know, her, her so loving fiance dotes on her orders for her says how she'll like it um and then goes to her after he's already ordered he's like yeah you you like this dish right and molly brown has no hold over her tongue and she's just like what are you gonna you gonna cut that for her too like you need to cut the meat up for her when it comes (laughs) as well um and i just love that you know because it 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 really is a small role in the film you know she's got what like 30 lines or less and so memorable but so memorable that if I go back right now and I'm like, oh, who played in Titanic? I'm like, oh, you know, there's Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, Kathy Bates. Right. <laughs> like right there at the top, even though. Really same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you don't even see her a whole lot. Um, and I just, I, you know, I love the fact that they're in this high society, mm-hmm. truly. And she, frankly, couldn't Unfaced. give one. Yep. You know, she's like, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to be who I'm going to be and new money. That's it. That's it. Gotta love it. No, that is an excellent choice. We will have to see if that one shows up again. Yeah, we'll see. Well, those were my honorable mentions. I would love to know what yours are. I'm assuming you have some. I do. I have two. I kept it. I kept it. You know, I'm trying not to do more than two. I don't always, but I try. So my first honorable mention already touched on is Madame Marie Delphine Valerie in Ooh. American Horror Story Coven. She was a prominent social <clears throat> she was a prominent Creole socialite in 1830s New Orleans. Was known for her extravagant parties and her disturbing panache for torturing her slaves. Intrigued by her own insecurities and fueled by her husband's unfaithfulness with young women, including the slaves, Delphine concocts a horrifying beauty elixir made from freshly harvested human pancreases, mm, only the best, mm. which she sa- shamelessly extracted from said slaves. Enter Marie Laveau, the formidable voodoo queen of New Orleans. You've heard of her, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Seeking vengeance for the unspeakable torment inflicted upon her lover, Bastion, who fell victim to Delphine's sadistic whims. Now, not to give too much away, but this character actually takes two different time periods. Because as they go forward, Marie Laveau is able to condemn her to a fate worse than death by burying her alive in an unmarked grave in her own front yard. But that's not it. Before sealing her doom, Marie reveals a twisted plot, the love potion bestowed upon Delphine 
has cursed her with immortality. Mm. And she wakes up later on in a whole new world and is not the powerful woman that she used to be. So I actually have only seen parts of this one because Lily loves American Horror Story. Yes, she and does. This, I believe, is her favorite season. She loves the witches. We went down to New Orleans. We found this house that she lived in. Uh, she loves Stevie Nicks. So I've sat down and watched like an episode here or an episode there and just, again, was amazed at how she was in the 1800s was just so regal and mean. And, and then when she's awakened in the 20th century, 21st century, she's doesn't have any of the power that she had before so she is now the slave and just played it so well and i really really enjoyed it i mean karma right there oh, right there <laughs> right know, there but no i so i i'm familiar with that role you know i think we've talked before you know i love lily for a lot of reasons but uh the american horror story coven is up there um this role it's shrieking to watch. It's diabolical, you know, to see on screen. And to, and, and to be honest with you, there's there's parts of it that are difficult to watch. Oh, yeah. There's the know? whole part in the, I, I don't think, I don't know if it's the attic or whatnot. The attic of it's her got, home. Oh, yes. And it's got all of the different cages and traps and, oh, man. And she's, you know, harvesting things from these, these slaves. Yeah. Largely while they're still alive for her own you know just benefit and just for fun right you know um just because she can yeah um and then like you said for her to play that role from some odd you know 150 years ago and then have it reprised and she's now alive in modern day and to still be able to hold that role you know put mm -hmm. herself in the mindset 150 years ago of what that power would have been right and don't hold that now i mean i i don't know that as an actress it would be very easy to keep your mind in the right headspace for that um yeah. and she does it so seamlessly yeah yeah she really does very nice so, choice thank you so my second honorable mention is a very small role and like what you talked about with molly brown i remember seeing this scene and, and this is a movie from 2008 the day the earth stood still in which she has a very small role as the Secretary of Defense, Regina Jackson. Yeah. Now, are you familiar with this one? I am. Okay. So, in an exhilarating turn of events, Klaatu, a distinguished representative of a coalition of advanced civilizations, has landed on Earth and approaches the Secretary of Defense with a paramount message. His purpose? To engage in crucial dialogue with Earth's leaders, urgently discussing the salvation of our beloved planet, from impending catastrophe of ecocide. However, much to Keanu, I mean, Klaatu's dismay, <laughs> Secretary Jackson, failing to grasp the gravity of the situation, decides to subject him to interrogation instead. But fear not, Podcast Universe citizens, Klaatu's determination and resourcefulness prepares, prevails. Man, I gotta be better. <laughs> in a daring escape he manages to elude his captors and reunite with helen and his remarkable her remarkable stepson jacob 
So again, small part, as a matter of fact, um, Kathy only had two weeks to film her scenes in this because she was working on another film as well. So she actually requested working with the director to act out her lines so she would understand what he aimed for her in her dialogue rather than trying to interpret it. And she wanted to basically come in, get in, hit it, and move on. Uh, which, you know, some people will say, well, you know, she just was phoning it in. I don't think that was it at all. She is an mm -hmm. actress recognized. She only had this small window. And so she went to him and said, what do you want my character to, to give to this scene? And that way she wouldn't, you know, mess around trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I, and I won't give anything away for later, <laughs> Ooh. But in in my own research, you know, kind of going through, you know, just learning about her and how she came to be in some of these roles and things like that, just like the one you were speaking about. And the reason why I don't have to know anything about that film to know she didn't phone it in and she didn't mm -hmm. rush it because in all of the research that I'm finding, she did stuff like that on every single film where she's going to the director and she's like, no, like, I want this to be perfection, not necessarily in a, you know, perfectionist type of way, but just, I have love for what this is and I want it to come across as my passion, exactly as I mean it. And as exactly as it's intended to come across to the audience. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just, I have a love for her because she loves her craft and it shows. Mm -hmm. It does. It yeah. does. Yeah. I, and I will say that as much as I enjoy her performances, Kathy Bates would probably have been someone it would have been a long time coming before I got to her to do a show. And this is a prime example of what I love most about this show is when someone who has a love or a passion for a particular topic comes to me and says, I want to do this, which is exactly what you did. And so when you're sitting here and you can just, I can see the joy coming out from you talking about her. This is what I love about the show. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. You know, I I have told you time and time again, I love the space that you provide for people to just kind of come in and have a happy space and share thank that. Right? I try. <laughs> the world needs a little bit of happy, happy. We all need love. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that would mean that we are now finished with our honorable mentions and we can dive straight in to your number five favorite Kathy Bates role. Ooh, I'm ready, but okay. not to throw a wrench in things, but as you did, Call out. You know, if you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball. This, mm, you can't. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go right on from that. <laughs> you know, as you said earlier, I have been on the show a couple mm. of times. Six. And so I, I, seven. Yeah, seven. Um, and this one, this makes eight or this makes this seven. makes seven. Okay. This makes seven. Okay. Perfect. Um, we'll have to get eight scheduled. So, I, on my end, I was like, hmm, how can I switch it up a little bit? Ooh. So I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. Okay. For my for my numbers five through one, mm -hmm. I'm going to begin with a joke each time. Ooh. The joke does not have anything necessarily to do with the actual TV show, movie, Broadway hit, musical, what have you that hey. Kathy Bates plays in. But there's going to be something in the joke that might give you a little bit of an idea of where I'm going with it. We'll see if you can guess. All right. Bring it on, we'll sister. See. I'm ready okay. for you. My number five. Mm -hmm. 
the joke that you get, the hint is, the CEO of IKEA was just elected president of Sweden. She should have her cabinet done by the end of the week. Listen, dad jokes. That's all you get from me. Ooh. I'm not a father yet, but you, but you and Jay Hall are just right, right there. I think um, we it, might need to just do our next shows together. Let's just I, merge these. I, I think so because I, I, he just recently put me on, on on the spot because I put him on the spot, and I was like, "What? I do that? Yeah, I, I actually do that." So I'm I like, guess this you is, throw this it is out. I gotta push like. it back. Yes, yeah, this is what yeah. it feels like. Yep. Okay, so I got nothing. Um, that is perfect. I never wanted you to say anything else. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. So my uh, my pick five, if you will, is from Kathy Bates' role as the CEO of Saber. Oh God, I should have. <laughs> you should have known. I should have. I, I was only thinking TV. I mean, I'm only thinking movies, but oh my God, I should. I, listen, I gave you Freddie foreshadowing. I you said did. movies. You did. I did. I did. Yeah. Um, yes. So you know that my love of uh, this sitcom knows no bounds. I had Big to put it theory. in the top five, yep. right? Exactly. I, had, I had to. Um, so, you know, she plays Jolene or just Joe Bennett. Um, she makes the... Uh, she she sells the best all-in-one printers that Korea can make, right? right. Um, I will tell you, her role in this show is one of my favorite long guest appearances yeah. that come. You know, you really can't even call her a guest. You know, she's only for a season and a half, right? right. Um, even though you don't see her every episode, she's mentioned somewhere. Um, is Spader in at that time, too? So Spader does come in. So where Spader comes in is actually at her exit. Because oh, okay. she is still CEO, actually, until the very last episode. She still is oh. you know, owning the company, but she's getting a new regional manager, right? There's still somebody in charge. Um, you know, she's she's there pretty close to the end. Gotcha. And, oh, which I love Spader. I could have a whole different podcast just about him on that show. Um, but But I will tell you, Again, something that I found in research that I did not know prior, which I love to find something out that I didn't know about The Office, right? One of my favorite things. I was reading up a little bit about Kate Flannery, you know, who plays Meredith Palmer. I do. And she, I guess, had said in an interview shortly after Kathy joined the show, you know, towards like the middle-ish to end of season six, um when her company buys out Dunder Mifflin, right? Really to just use them for their packaging and their warehouse. But Kate Flannery in a interview talked about how nervous she was for Kathy to join the show. Okay. You know, that she was semi-terrified because Kathy is just so huge and wonderful and captivating. And it wasn't necessarily that she was worried that Kathy was going to overtake the show or something like that. I think that they mm -hmm. were all worried. Kate Flannery did not name anyone, but said, we are just worried and concerned. We're not going to live up to the standard. We're not oh. going to be able to meet that caliber, you yeah. know? And what I just love is the fact that almost at the exact same time, Kathy Bates was in an interview and she, she in her words, she said, that show is incredible. 
and it runs as a perfectly well-oiled machine. Right. She was like, I don't want to come in. I don't want to rock the boat, you know, in the sense of I want to make sure that I can live up to what they are putting on screen. And I just thought that that was so incredible. That's because hilarious. You have, you have seemingly no-name people on the show at times for her to come in here after everything that she has done and accomplished for her to feel like, oh, I might not live up to this. You know, it's like, just, it's a lot. I love lives up to, to her loot, her, her love of the craft. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I just love it. I love it. And I will say, side note, I think one of my favorite things, one of the fun little tidbits of the show of her role is every time that she comes to visit the Scranton branch that you see on screen, you know, in every episode, she comes with two dogs. And every time- Oh, that's comes, true. She comes with two different dogs. <laughs> every every time? single time she comes on screen. That. It's never the same dog. If yeah, if you go back and watch, it's never the same dogs. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, it's always a pair of two identical dogs. Okay. But the breed of dog is always different. Within the same episodes, even? Not within the same episode. So oh, okay. You only just each see, episode. Yeah, okay. just, just every single episode in which you see her dogs, it is a different breed of dog. That's hilarious. Yeah. Fun, I'll have fun to look fact. for that next time. Fun fact. Cool. Well, well all right. That's a great yeah. one. Well, you know, so, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to your number five. All right. So I actually came up with a joke oh. to, to tell you about my number five. Oh, did you do this just now? Is this like a copycat situation? No, I've Are been you... planning this. It's the, I mean, it's amazing. Yes, I just made it up. <laughs> um, what is brown and sticky? Stick. Yes. Can you guess what my number five is? Nope. <laughs> it's the it's Margaret the Unsinkable Molly Brown in Titanic. Uh, I, brown. Uh, brown. What's brown? Yep. There you go. Yep. Sure. See, now yep. you know how I feel. Yeah. I won't have yeah, jokes well, for the I others. got four more of these. So, <laughs> so we'll I see can't if I get say... invited back to the eighth <laughs> I can't say anything more about this role than what you said. You know, her larger than life personality, but she paid meticulous attention to the historical accuracy of the role. She really wanted to portray Molly Brown authentically. And I think it was evident in like every little gesture, every line, just the precision and the conviction that she conveyed. And I think it was it was a wonderful it was what they would say would be a masterclass in bringing yeah. a historical figure to life without making her a caricature of that character. So I think she did an awesome, awesome job. 100%. And I think and you, you did an awesome job of picking her first. Oh, well, you know. Um, and you know something also, when I was kind of looking into the role, um, you know, as she played Miss Brown, it was exactly like you said, you know, she worked so hard and so meticulously to make sure that it was very historically accurate the way she's holding herself when they're sitting at these dinner tables, the way that she's gliding through, you know, the hallways of the ship. But something else that, you know, she said is I had to learn how to do all of those things the right way as they would have been done in that time period. But with a slight twist of the fact that I'm walking in as new money to old established money. So I had to be just a tad touch off. off. Yeah, and to yeah, me, that makes I'm sense. like again speaks to the craft, right? It's exactly. Just, it's just fantastic. It's just wow. fantastic. 
awesome. And do you know that it was actually her idea, I guess, when she, you know, so I will actually pause on that thought. I love that she wanted to make the movie so historically accurate because mm-hmm. James Cameron did the same thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, who who, yeah. who dives down to the bottom of the ocean? How many times just to get the accuracy? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then make it back to the top. <laughs> That's, oh, oh, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Pop, too soon. Um, yes. But anyway, it, it you know, it was her idea towards the end of the movie, you know, when the Titanic has gone down, that she wanted to be the one screaming out like you've got to go back you've got to go save more people because she felt like that would be more accurate to her character because she was not in high society with everybody else that she was sharing a boat with she was like we have to go save more people we can fit more people yeah yeah just like um like she could have put one more person on that um piece of debris but that's a different poor poor jack listen I'm going to get the mechanical engineer out here to explain to us like the weight <laughs> distribution definitely would have worked. It would have happened. They could have made it. Uh, then we'll go to the Titanic 2 with Beth and Jerry and see if we can make it uh, happen again. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just watched that again the other day. I did too. I did you too. You was jolly me like one of your French girls, Jerry. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> We're going to make this steamy. <laughs> uh <laughs> All right. The, the bottom of the car drops out. Drops. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so on that, what's your number four? Queso. Joe? I love queso. <laughs> oh man, number four. Okay. Um, this You're not, might not be a... having a problem. <laughs> not a problem at all. Um, so this joke. Okay. It might be a bit reaching. We're gonna see. If you don't okay. get it, this if it, this one's on me. I'll, right. I'll take. I'll take. I'm one. ready now. Okay, you're ready. Unless it's a Broadway role, and then I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm gonna have an answer. Nope, not a Broadway role. Yep. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. that's okay. Yep. Give, yep. Yep. Lay it on me. What is the bearded woman's least favorite basketball team? The L.A. Clippers. Okay. For those of you that can't see him right now, he's got four veins about to pop in his forehead. He's trying so hard. The L.A. Clippers bearded lady. I'm also trying to keep in mind, it is very possible you have not seen this role. Yeah, because there were a lot that I hadn't seen. it's not the water boy huh it is not it is not it is the only other sports related thing i could think of so not sport related at all but all bearded lady revolved is i am talking about her role as ethel the bearded woman in american horror stories freak show Oh, I didn't see. Okay, yep, I didn't see okay. that. I didn't even know she was in it as another character. So to be fair, to be, to to this is where I said the other shoe was going to drop. Hold your hand okay. out. Here comes the Louis Vuitton. My 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 fave four uh-huh. is not one role in particular. It is Kathy Bates 
in the American Horror Story universe. Every role that she plays through American Horror Story is incredible. And for those of you that don't know about American Horror Story, every season that they produce is a completely different story. A lot of the same characters, right, travel from... same actors. A lot, yep, a lot of them travel from, you know, one season to the next. Kathy Bates, her very first role was of Madame Delphine LaLaurie, who you have already spoken about, who came from the Coven series, right? Which is season three. She also plays the bearded woman, Ethel Darling, in Freak Show, which is season three. Um, wait, incredible. Wait. Season that. Season four. Four, okay. Season four. She also plays Iris, a hotel secretary, in season five. Wow. She also plays Agnes Mary Winstead and the Butcher in Roanoke season six. She also plays Miriam Mead, Miriam Mead 2.0, and a reprisal of her role, Delphine LaRarie, LaRarie, in season eight, Apocalypse. So she has a staggering number of roles in this universe, and every single one of them. I could almost describe them the same, right, as the first one that we spoke of. You know, she is captivating on screen. I mean, she is enthralling. But I will say the reason why I started with the bearded lady joke is, sorry, Lily, please don't listen to the following. Skip ahead like two minutes. But I did love her portrayal of LaLaurie on screen. Loved it thought that it was Uh flawless i also loved her role as ethel darling you know in freak show she plays a yeah a bearded woman if you haven't caught on to that she's playing in kind of like a side circus gathering of uh, a gathering of the freaks yeah right Um, i'm seeing that now yep and she she's the second in command to um to Fräulein Elsa's freak show, um, I just I really can't even speak enough to this role. It is harrowing. It is disturbing. Harrowing. Um, hair. Oh man. <laughs> and do you know something? A little tidbit from this role that I did want to share. Again, just again speaks to how prepared she tries to be for a role. So this role, she speaks you know, in a very, very heavy Boston accent. Okay. You would not know that that woman was not born and raised in Boston for the entirety of her life. Wow. Right? And I mean, she, just the commitment to growing the beard is fantastic. Just the, exactly, exactly. And, you know, sitting in makeup for like three hours before every take. But wow. yeah, either way. Um, but do you know to perfect this accent... The, from the moment that she signed to get this role, before she ever even had the script, knew what she was going to say. Till the day they started filming, every single day, she would recite the national anthem over and over and over again in a Boston accent to herself <laughs> until she was like, yeah, I feel like I'm from there. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I commitment man and then she ate Matt Damon's pancreas and the role was cemented and and that was it yeah and that was it (laughs) yeah 
Wow, that is, I had no idea that she was in that so many times. Oh, yeah. That is crazy. Iris, the face of the Hotel Cortez. So I will tell you, if you have not seen that season, it's kind of incredible. Imagine just yeah. a haunted base motel, if you will. Um, but in that role, she plays the hotel like secretary, right? But that's not, when the show starts, she finds her son in the hotel. She's seeking for him, can't find him. She finds him overdosed in one oh. of the bedrooms of this hotel. Um, and then she leaves, kind of walks out. She finds the person responsible for his overdose, shoves her out the window um, and goes back to check on her son. And who else is in the room but Lady Gaga? Oh. Um, vamp vampress, if you will. She's sitting on the bed and she's like, man, your son's got a jawline for days. And then proceeds to bite him, turn him into a vampire, bring him back to life. But the catch is, you know, he stays in this hotel with Lady Gaga, who, you know, is in the penthouse or, you know, whatever. Oh, wow. And so Kathy Bates, Iris, takes on this job at the hotel just to remain as close physically to her son as she can. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Nope. I had not seen those, but they are now on my radar. Yeah. It's a it's a worth worth the watch. Yeah. Well, that was my quattro. Okay. What's your quattro. My quattro is set in a quaint little town in New England, where a woman named Dolores Claiborne, who works as a housekeeper for this rich and heartless lady named Vera Donovan. Now things take a dark turn when Vera ends up dead, and guess who gets accused? Yep, Dolores herself. But here's where it gets interesting. Dolores' daughter, Selena, is a big shot journalist from New York. So she decides to pay her estranged mother a visit and do some investigating on her own. And as Selena de delves deeper into the case, she uncovers some shocking truths about the murder and her own childhood. It's a roller coaster ride, let me tell you. And Kathy Brett has her hands on the brake, but not applying them as we go up and down and all around so i'm talking about of course dolores claiborne from 1995 what an incredible pick yeah you like what that a wonderful choice yes. kathy bates jennifer jason lee judy pardiff parf parfit parfit perfect nugan yeah. uh, all based on a stephen king novel of the same name and did um, you know <laughs> that Stephen King handpicked her and had this role specifically directed for her um, mm -hmm. because of her portrayal um, five years earlier in Misery. And he, mi misery. Misery, yes. Misery. And he said that he couldn't see anybody else in that role. Yep. And in Time <clears throat> Magazine actually even named Dolores Claiborne as one of the top 10 greatest Stephen King adaptations either. And it made almost $50 million worldwide. With so, a relatively small budget. Very small budget. Yeah. In fact, Kathy said it was that playing Dolores was her all time favorite role. So that's saying something too. Yeah, yes, that is fantastic. Yeah. And I will tell you that film, you know, I love obviously that she was handpicked for that role. She mm -hmm. was perfect in that role. Um, but I also loved how Stephen King 
had that somewhat written for her in the sense that he said, you know, women are constantly pushed into this little box and this little box and this little box. And then they just have to snap and they have to break loose. And I guess he said that the way he felt like she portrayed this was really kind of pushing the bounds and really in a feministic role of just showing women like, no, you don't just have to be this quiet little person on screen. And like, you can hold your own and you can hold your boundaries and you can hold your truth. And I love that. And there are some tough scenes in that movie. I mean, the physical abuse that she's taking, uh, I mean, yeah, at one point, like with a log across the back, Mm -hmm. I mean, crazy, crazy. And to have all these people think grace on screen that she Mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing film. It's, it's a good one. I actually don't, I don't think I've watched it more than once, but exactly the same yeah <laughs> but it is an incredible film and it's obviously it stuck out very well so yeah wonderful choice thank wonderful you choice. Mm-hmm. so unos dos how about your number trace joke uh, well not get I, I was gonna say i'm not gonna give it to you without the joke first but mm-hmm. i i i think you're gonna start to catch on okay i think you've got this one in the bag i'm rooting right. for you okay, okay i can guess. do it how did the maid feel after winning a cleaning award she was truly swept off her feet. Um, the maid. The maid, the maid, the maid. Okay. Oh, the maid. You didn't just talk about one of those, did you? I don't think so. Is it? I don't know what she does in About Schmidt. She ain't a maid. No. Okay. Um, you want a hint? Yeah, I'll take a hint. It was your number four. Oh, you! <laughs> I didn't want to give it away, but it is uh, my uh, my pick three is the maid. Uh, yes, is her role as Dolores Claiborne. Uh, in the 1995 Dolores Claiborne, based on the Stephen King novel, in which she is the maid and the caretaker. That was the farthest thing from my mind. That is crazy. You off there. there you go. Look at that. I love, you know, I was wondering, wondering if one of ours was going to align. Oh, for same three. Number, but there we go. There oh, we go. for three. That is crazy. That's, okay. That's all right. We're going to get one of these. I feel it. I feel it. But yes, I mean, there's you know, not a whole lot more to add, you know, than what we've already said. I just, I love this film. Yeah, it's a good one. For the it's one a- time I saw it, it was, uh, and I think that, again, maybe that speaks to it. It was, it was a while ago when I saw that. Mm-hmm. And it was still very much one of the first things that came to my mind is just like, oh my God, her on yeah. screen. And to think she, I mean, she makes it seem like she went through that in her own she life. Does. Yeah, and, and Jennifer Jason Lee was really good in it as well. Now, is it is there a crossover somehow with was it Rose Matter? Or isn't there another book that the event of the eclipse I want to say at the that, same time? I want to say that you are correct in that, but I could not give you any more insight. Okay. All right, yeah. Other than that, yeah. I'm probably right. I'm right a lot. I mean, you tend to be. You, you yeah, tend to be. So. 
my own best fan. Uh, okay, well, yes. let's see. I am I am one hundred percent possible. I'm sorry. I am one hundred percent sure mm-hmm. that we are going to match again. Oh, okay. okay. And we might also match on my number three. So let's see. Let's see. From one from three words, if you could guess who my number three is. I thought you were in the hot seat tonight. Oh, we're gonna see. All right. All right three words. Okay, three words. You like Tennessee? Oh, you're not talking about the blind side, are you? I am talking about oh, the blind side. Look at that. One out of one. Miss Sue. What is it? One out of two. Um, I love that role. I do too. Again, another captivating performance that is not a large role at all, but is a pivotal role. Mm-hmm. And she squeezes every amount of captivating, breathtaking, just hilarity ensues when she starts talking. And so this, and I'm going to put the whole clip right here, but this is the part where she is talking uh, about getting him to go to Ole Miss. And he wants to go to Tennessee and she starts telling the whole story about how Tennessee works with the FBI and the body farm and all that stuff. And it's like, and Michael Orr is sitting there like, not me. She's like, well, it's it's your decision. I mean, don't let me influence you, but you know, there's a lot of body parts out there. (laughs) Right. I will tell you, I got done watching that film and I was like, dang, I got to go do my homework. Kathy Bates is going to come find me. (laughs) Um, what a wonderful choice. I love, 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 love that film. As you know, we've talked about that in two other podcasts. Uh-huh. Um, and Sandra Bullock in our sports. Um, love that film. Love Kathy Bates. Love her in it. Yeah. So fantastic. fantastic. Wish I had her as a tutor right now. What? No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Meow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we can now go back. We will talk about your number two joke that I am going two. to get. No doubt. We'll see. I'm I'm starting to think this might just be on me. This might just nope. be on my jokes, nope. but you know, we'll see. Nope. Okay. Lay it on me. This is your joke, your intro for number two. Hone in. You ready? I'm ready. My wife asked for peace and quiet for once while making dinner. So I took the batteries out of the smoke detector. I am cheating by looking. Um, cheater, cheater. Fried green tomatoes. Fried green tomatoes. Oh. There you go. Fried. See, I, I didn't. I didn't um, focus on what the the movie how that part was, but what was happening, and you were frying something, and it burned, and I said fried green tomatoes. There you go. I mean, I was going more like housewife making dinner, right? But yes. But all of the above, you still got there. The, obviously, the journey didn't matter. It was just the destination this time, but. My number two pick is Kathy Bates' portrayal of Evelyn Couch in Fried Green Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Um, tomatoes. You know, she plays a, at, at the start of the film, you know, she plays a 1980s housewife who is very shy. She's very timid. She's very reluctant. You know, she 
confides in her new friend in the nursing home that she's at the end of her 40s. She feels like her life has passed her by, that she doesn't have control over anything that happens to her, that she's stuck in a rut. You know, she's got a husband that doesn't appreciate her. Um, she doesn't feel like she has a purpose. Um, you know, and this whole film is about how she goes to continuously see, um, you know, I think it's her husband's aunt, her aunt, somebody in the nursing home, but she always stops by to see this friend that she made that's yes. there who tells her about all of these stories um, of all of these things. I think set in Louisiana, I want to say that that's right. Um, right. But she continuously goes oh, to talk Alabama. to Alabama. There you Alabama go. in the 20s. There you go. Um, just came to me. I just remembered that. It's not on the screen right next to you. Yeah, no, I can see no. it shining off your eyeballs. No, no, that no that's it. just that's, that's that. just my excitement of being here. I could I thought I saw that gleam in your eye. Mm-hmm, that's what it is. <laughs> um, you know, I love that. You know, she's kind of in the start of this film. She's living a caretaker's life. Um, she's really living for her husband and for other people, and she's not in any way living for herself or doing anything for herself. And through all of these stories of her new friend, you know, um, talking about her past and how that woman kind of became empowered in her life. And she kind of takes these lessons and empowers herself in her own life. She starts to take um, women, how shall we say, women's self-love classes. Um, You know, yes, um, she... She just kind of becomes enraged at the fact that she feels like everybody in life just treats her like the bottom of their shoe. Right. And she's over it. And I will tell you, one of my favorite scenes when she's kind of come into her own is she's going into the grocery store. She's trying to find a parking spot. Right. And she's waiting. She's waiting. You know how this goes. You put your blinker on. You're waiting. Somebody's backing up. And these two younger ladies pull up with right into the spot that she was very obviously waiting on and she shouts out to them in which maybe in the past she wouldn't have right she's like no absolutely not and she just says you know um what are you doing hey i was waiting on that spot and the girls get out of the car and they snap back at her and they said face it lady we're younger and we're faster well let me tell you the old evelyn couch might have taken that lane down but this evelyn couch took it by ramming her vehicle into there <laughs> six times in a row and they you know they come out of the store they're screaming what are you doing what are you doing she goes face it ladies i'm older and i got better insurance <laughs> <laughs> you know um you know i just i love these scenes where you can just see little parts of her you know she's healing herself and she's setting all these boundaries and she's like you know i right. get to be my own person and then you know, she goes to her husband at one point in time who is very much expectant of her that there is a dinner ready, hot four course meal when he gets home from work every day and do not think that he's going to sit down and eat this meal with her. He's taking it in front of the TV and he's going to go do his thing. And, you know, I love that one day he comes home and um, it was not the meal that he was accustomed to receiving. And he notices it's like a low cholesterol type meal. And and he's just like, well, what are you trying to do, Evelyn? Are you trying to kill me? She goes, no, if I was going to do that, I'd just use my hands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, um, I love a comeback story, right? The yeah. fact that you can reinvent yourself and become somebody that you're proud of. And um, I just, I love that for her in this role. 
That's I awesome. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I guessed it. Yay. And you guessed it. Look at that. <laughs> and there's only one more to go, aren't you? So lucky. It's only one more. I'm pretty sure we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna. I know we 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 might clash here in a second, but no. before we get to my crescendo, I would love to know what your number two is. Okay. Ooh. I have choosed choosed. Oh no. Well, I have choosed a, a a movie that I thought was very good done. Is that enough to tell you? Um, okay. I would imagine that you're talking about the one film I refuse to put on my list. Really? <laughs> Waterboy. Waterboy. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I will say I can respect this choice mm-hmm. for the role that she played in this film. The way that I wanted to hate that Satan hating mother. <laughs> I mean, it just. I have never disliked somebody on screen. Almost I know. more. And I that's mean, one of the things I talk about that makes up for a really good actor is that they make you feel. And oh my gosh, you just. What is wrong with her? You know? I was sitting over here like, do I sprinkle holy water on the TV? Or like, <laughs> what What do I do? Holy water. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So this is from 1998, Adam Sandler's film, where she plays his mother, Helen Mama Boucher, in The Waterboy. Um, it was, again, it was outstanding for what you may feel are all the all the wrong reasons for her to, to, to be on there are all the reasons I loved it. I thought that she was complex, that she was able to, to, to just seamlessly go from so sweet to, like you said, satanic almost, Um, you know, she's just, she was just something else. And I thought it was a, a very humorous film. You kind of felt like she, thought she was doing the right things for the right reasons at the beginning and then later on when she was faced with the truth that her boy's going to go away if she doesn't let him go yeah and you know it kind of comes back in the end and and i don't i I just i really enjoyed it but i have a piece of trivia that i am really wondering if you knew okay so this film was released in November of 1998. And many fans, or sorry, many moviegoers bought tickets to this movie, but did not stay and watch the movie itself. Care to guess why? No, tell me. Because it was the movie that was showing the trailer for Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. Oh, there you go. So I mean, you know my love for the Phantom Menace. I, I would do. have done the same. I have it highlighted here to make sure I don't miss it. I'm so happy you told me that, <laughs> So now you're going to go back and watch it again? I, I don't know about that. I, I will <laughs> say I do think Kathy Bates is the best part of that film. Yes. Right. Yes. Inarguably, hands down, if I was to go back and watch that film, it would be for her. Yeah. I think that she's great. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Wonderful choice. Wonderful Thank choice. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a little concerned here. We're down to the last one. So we haven't, yeah. we haven't 
We haven't crossed over yet, but I have a feeling it's coming. Okay. Well, we did. We crossed in Dolores. This this is true. I, I yeah, guess I yeah. meant like same number and all. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, <clears throat> okay. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen here. If it's uh, going to happen, it's going to happen here. But I will say. I'll know by the joke. I think you're going to know. I think you're going to know for sure. Yeah. All okay. right. Here it goes. Jump right in. Okay. What's it like to be an inspiring writer? That's difficult to put into words. <laughs> oh, and by the smile and the laugh, I'm sure that I um I have pegged it correctly that you have guessed. Are you there, God? Time. It's me, Margaret. Yes, I, I could not disagree with you more. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're gonna be so disappointed in my. Go choice. ahead, you dirty bird. Um, tell me what's your number one. I will tell you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so my number one is Kathy Bates' portrayal of Annie Wilkes in Stephen King's 1990 Misery. This is where confetti would shoot out. Gosh. I mean, I have confetti here. You don't have confetti there? Oh, uh, I do. You don't see it? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's like yeah. an after effect. You add that later? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, I'm assuming you've seen this film. Um, once or twice. Once I may or, own it on twice. DVD, Blu-ray, and a couple of copies of VHS. You but got a 4K and a laser disc. No, you know, I'm not that crazy about 4K. And, and Nelson is screaming at the uh, the radio right now going, what? But, but do you know what's so nice, though, is you get it in 4K, you get it on a physical disc with uncompressed sound. And mm -hmm. do you know what you hear with that with that Dolby setup? See, that's... you can hear the crunching with the sledgehammer, right? It's right <laughs> in your ear. That's the point. Of the problem is, is that you have to have all of that stuff to appreciate it, and I don't. Well, yeah, so, but um, I'm I'm pretty sure you now know a guy that I, sells I home audio equipment. That's, he doesn't live true. that far from you. I will give you my father's number if you don't Just have so you know, already. this is the kind of stuff that I buy. <laughs> so, you know, it's... <laughs> Listen, priorities. Yeah. Oh, priorities. man. So, um, since you have seen this film before, you know, I guess I don't need to give it a huge background, but Annie Wilkes is super fan of Paul Sheldon, who writes Victorian-era romance novels about Misery Chastain. Um, he is a dope up on the slopes, and he's out there writing his books. He tries to leave and go back to New York City with his newly typed-up book and finds himself uh, at the bottom of a snowbank in the middle of a blizzard. And thank God Annie was there to help him out. You thank know? God. Um, you know, so she finds him and uh kidnaps him and she cares uh, for him she oh, did she she cares did. for him she lovingly did. she did lovingly until she yeah. read his latest adaption of misery where he kills off her favorite character and uh that yeah that didn't go well for him well but the thing is is, is that you have to she's not dead you know it's her spirit her misery's spirit is still alive well and you're right and paul tried to convey that to her but annie just said no i need her alive in uh in real life i need her right here and uh she's his number one fan number one fan 
with a sledge. Yeah. <laughs> My um, God. So have you ever read the book? I have not. I have okay. Not. So there it's, it's very similar to the book with a couple of differences. One of them being that in the book, she ends up chopping his foot off with an ax and cauterizing the, the wound with a blowtorch. And then later on, when he's complaining about missing a letter on his typewriter, she cuts off his thumbs, one of his thumbs, with an electric knife. Um, and when the sheriff shows up, the ones that she ends up shooting, mm -hmm. she, in the book, runs him over with a lawnmower. I so, did not know that. Yes. So she was even crazier in the book so you can imagine they toned it down to what you got in the movie well and you know uh so i was reading up a little bit about that and i'm trying to remember his name now william something william goldman right Wait. i want to say william goldman was the director on that film at the start and he felt so strongly that the film ought to be done exactly as it was done in the book with the scenes that you just described. He was um, the, the writer. The writer. That's what I'm saying. He, yes. he okay. did the screenwriting. That's what it was. And mm -hmm. he wanted to write that in. And he got pushback, you yeah. know, from the director and the director wasn't going to do it. And eventually he did agree, you know, that yes, those probably should have been taken out. But I will tell you something Again, one of those little tidbits about Kathy Bates that I think, again, speaks to how incredible and iconic this role was, um, is that Michael Caine said in an interview after it came out how impressed he was that she was able to get through some of those scenes. Because mm -hmm. like the scene right before she smashes his ankles to bit with a sledgehammer, she apparently was offset bawling her eyes out. Oh, I would doubt was it. Just like, she was like, this is just going to be very difficult because they tried to make it as realistic as they could. You know, she's really holding mm -hmm. the sledgehammer. She's really swinging it towards him, towards a different target. You know, she's concerned about missing and 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 just all of these things. Um, so I kind of hate that for her, the emotional duress. But at the same time, I think it, again, speaks to her range that you're talking yeah. about moments before she filmed that scene. She's offset bawling her eyes out because let me tell you on scene, she had no remorse. <laughs> None whatsoever, yeah. you know? And I mean, it did win her the Academy Award for Best Actress. Yeah. You know? Uh, and and Rob Reiner, who was the, the director, I think the position that they took was a good one because it's one thing in a, in a book to, to read these words and imagine it in your mind. But to see it just would really have taken you out of the movie. I believe it would have pushed it into the, a true horror film, a body horror film. Well, and it would it have taken wasn't it from a psychological thriller. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. No, 100%. Yeah, yeah. because the hobbling itself, there are, there are a few scenes in few horror movies that I don't want to watch. And that is one of the, I will watch the scene in zombie two, where the woman gets her eye plucked out by, or, or stuck out by a huge splinter. I'll watch that Picture all day it. long, yeah, but this one, no, no, because they did such a good job of making you think, I mean, this movie has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Is that all, uh, honestly? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a 91%. I thought it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, no, at 91, I mean, listen, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the things that they do in the book that make you feel as trapped as Paul Sheldon was, uh, you feel that with him. And when he finds the newspaper clippings and the, the scrapbook, and it's got all of these stories, and he he's just seeing all of the things that she did and got away with, yeah. um, that he's like, oh, crap, I'm, I'm the next one. I'm going to be the next article in this book if I don't do something about it. Exactly. And, uh, and I even love, you know, the attention to detail. Yeah. I mean, we could do a whole, we could do a whole show just on this film, but I love the fact that they worked very hard to play to exactly what you just said of making you feel trapped. And so they intentionally outside of when you see a couple of scenes of the sheriff in town, you know, or a scene, um, an aerial shot of, you know, Annie Wilkes driving off into town. Other than that, you don't see outside of what he sees. You know, you're right. stuck in the same four walls for the majority of the film. And it does. I mean, you get to the point where you're like, dear God, if you don't break out of here by the end of the film, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. 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 And, and he was amazing in it. I mean, who knew that Elf's dad could take so much punishment and, right. you know, just move on. So I was going to say something. I knew something made him so angry in that film. <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway well look at us matched on the number one i i really felt that we were going to match on number one because it's just head and ankles above everything else that you know it's so good i I will say i you know i love this film i love her portrayal i think that it is a spectacular wonderful incredible if not just perfect portrayal of a character, right? But I did not come to this decision on my own. I had help Ooh. from the great beyond. Okay. I have a fun tidbit. So, you know, my grandmother, sweet lady, my best friend in the entire world passed away yes. about six weeks ago. And I can't really even explain to you. Thank you. I really cannot even explain to you what a southern belle this woman was you better not swear on screen she doesn't want a nude scene she doesn't want the blood she doesn't want any of that um i think i have seen sweet magnolia sweet magnolia or fried green tomatoes with her about a hundred thousand times <laughs> but what is so interesting to me though my grandmother loved this film Really? I have seen misery with her maybe more than the young and restless. And let me tell you, that was on repeat <laughs> in her house. Um, she loved Kathy Bates in this role so much because she will tell you, she saw that movie on a whim one time and she was like, she's terrifying. She's like, I'm, I'm just, you know, she was like, she's just, she was like, she's terrifying. She's so scary. But I will tell you my favorite thing in the entire world is no matter how many times we've seen this film and no matter the fact that she knows exactly what's coming, that woman would scream loud enough to break the windows every single time <laughs> that Paul Sheldon got his ankles blasted out <sighs> or or every time that sheriff got shot in the back and fell down into the basement. She couldn't mm. do it. Or the way she'd grip her chair 
when um you know when he's like throwing himself out of the wheelchair and trying to like crawl through the kitchen to get to the door i mean just like you said with him walking on the crutches that seems really hard to watch really um, hard but yes anyway so again i i love that great memory Bates, but you know i had to pick it for the memory too right there you go that's yeah. awesome yeah i'm so that's awesome i'm glad and then every time you watch that movie you'll think about her yeah. every single time yeah i watched it I watched it like two weeks ago and it was fun fact. It was, um, Thomas, that's my husband. Um, he had never seen it. Really? He was like, he was like, I've seen clips of this. I've seen the family guy readaption of it several times, which if you haven't seen it, it's like six, seven, Hilarious. Minutes. Yeah. pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so that was really kind of cool that like, I got to see it for the first time through his eyes. Right. Cause did I he make it through, he did, did he he make it through the hobbling. He did make it through the hobbling, but I did not. I made it through about 30 minutes of the film and I had passed out. Did not see his reaction <laughs> for that, unfortunately. Um, might have to go back and watch that another time. But uh, There you go. But yeah, no. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad. Look at us. We did such a good job. Look at us. Very proud. Very proud. So <clears throat> this is the part of the show where I ask you about what we want to do next. Okay. And I right. believe we already have some stuff that we've talked about, but... This made me think. I have two ideas here. One would be a complete disarray episode about misery, where we just deconstruct it and talk about it and whatnot. And we can do a comparison, talk about the book and other stuff. Don't know what the second option is, but yes to the first one. The second one would be Fay Five episodes of The Office. I cannot believe we ever, we never talked about doing this. Um, well, and I've thought about it before, but I didn't know if that was too close to your like cold open favorites. Nope. Nope. Okay. Both of those options. All right. Yes. I'll put them down for both. Awesome. All right. Well, it's been a great time and Scott, I know it's late over there. So I want to thank you for staying up and doing this episode. And I want to thank all of you out there in the podcast universe, all 32 of you for listening to Faith Five for Fans. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. It's a free way that you can help grow the podcast. Or all of the podcasts, actually, but, but mostly this one. If you like the show, please consider telling a friend about us. And if you don't like the show, maybe consider telling someone you don't like. Just, you know, maybe scratch it down on a piece of paper and said, have you read this? Have you seen this? Have you heard this? And then maybe it'll run their afternoon. And we invite you to interact with us on X Twitter, Twitter X, uh, at fave, the number five from fans. New episodes come out every Friday, so be sure to subscribe and follow us wherever you catch your episodes. And don't forget to look for our other show, Complete Disarray with Jamie Ray, where we take one topic and ramble on and on and on about it. I mean, but in in a, in a good way. Totally good, good way. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. And remember, folks, it may not be the best. It may not be the most popular. But if it's your favorite, then it's good enough for us. Thanks so much for joining us. Scout, take us out. Y'all, have a good night. And don't be miserable. <laughs> Love you so much. That's so bad. <laughs>
I had to go out on a, I had to go out on that. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say you had to go out on a high note. For more bad puns and even worse jokes, join us. us. Next time. <laughs> Y'all have a good night.